You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Karen Shikoski, SVP and Head of Marketing and Communications at Johnny Montgomery Scott, a full-service financial advice and services firm. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Laura. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Give us a quick overview. What is Jenny Montgomery Scott, more lovingly known as just Jenny? That's right. Thanks for the introduction. So we very proudly work with clients who are individuals, families, small business owners, and then also on the other, on the other end, large corporations and institutions on really everything related to their financial needs. Whatever their goals are, whether personal or business, our financial advisors help them to craft the appropriate plan forward to help them meet those goals. One thing I do like to say about our advice for individual clients is we really help to create independent futures for individuals and families families to lead the kind of lives that they want to live. Terrific. Then as SVP, as head of communications, of corporate communications, what are your main job responsibilities and who do you need to influence in that role? Lots of people to influence in this role. So I lead a team who comprises like three core verticals of communication. So corporate communications, internal, consumer research, client research, content marketing, all of our content material about our products, services, advice. And then the last group I like to call our in-house agency. So they serve as consultants to our financial advisors. So with respect to influencing, and I think about my role specifically, two groups really come to mind. One are those financial advisors who are our internal clients. As I said, we operate as an internal in-house agency. So we are working as salespeople. We are working as account managers. We are working as educators and guides to the financial advisors to be aware of the really robust marketing platform that we have here available for them. And then to guide and train and help them execute marketing plans to support their business goals and their business plans to grow their business. We are not a direct-to-consumer company. You're not going to see a lot of Janny advertising. You'll see more advertising and promotion of our individual advisors and teams. So again, we work as that agency to help them cultivate their business. The other group with respect to influence that I am spending a lot of time on right now is my own team. You know, we continue to work through this pandemic and we continue to work remotely. So I've been really concentrating on how to keep the team connected, how to keep the team motivated and energized and aware of what the you know top priorities are. It's such a different management and communication job today. You know, that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. The idea of how do you keep a team energized in a pandemic? I assume everybody's doing work from home more often than not, or at least in, in shifts and bits and pieces coming in. So How do you keep a team energized? What does that even look like? I think it's about variety today. I think it's about variety of topic, variety of communication channel that you're reaching them and topic being both business related, goal related, team priority related, but then also 
having a little bit of fun, right? So, of course, I think everybody went to Zoom mode a little over a year ago. Yes, yes. So we were holding our own team happy hours and and different types of events. And we tried to add some things to the mix. Just one example there is I have a friend who's a singer-songwriter. So I had her perform a concert for the team. Just, again, something different to keep the interest there. Absolutely. Then in doing all of this, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing today? I think about this with respect to our culture. I have been really impressed with Janie's culture since arriving here in, in 2005, which you know feels like forever ago. We're a really small firm relative to our competitive size, meaning we have the same platform as other financial services firms. We can compete with the larger firms, but we're still small. We're about 2,000 employees. And that's a really great size for very deep personal relationships, both with our employees and with our clients. And we found that to be one of our great competitive advantages with respect to attracting talent, keeping people here, small firm. If you want to make a difference, if you want to you know, take a shot at that project, there's a way to do that here. It's small enough where you can be seen and you can make a difference. Being remote now for over a year, i think about and I worry about that culture of really strong relationships and how do we keep that going. So I think about our team's role in the channels that we use to communicate to the entire firm, the content that we choose to share about the people who are making a difference. How do we help to facilitate those, what someone called a positive collision in the hallway, where that just, it's, you have to schedule everything today. It's, you can't have that naturally. So yes. are there ways that we can help to facilitate that? And as we look toward the future of beginning to rotate back into the office, how do we keep teams connected where some people may stay remote? So big challenge to, to think through, but we're starting to work through some potential solutions. I think that's something that's extremely relatable in, in for just about everybody <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Now, here's a challenge that I think a lot of people will wonder if you have actually contended with yourself because you're in the communications field. There's a lot of people who would just assume that you were always a natural communicator, that that's not something that's ever <laughs> been different, that you've never had to learn along the way. But there's a difference, of course, between working in the business versus on the business, as they say, and being a good personal communicator versus working in communications and doing your company messaging, et cetera. So we know you're good at the technical aspects of the job. To get to the level of senior vice president, however, that's a different world. That's a different kind of leadership. So what kinds of specific interpersonal communication skills did you have to really learn to polish or tweak differently in order to get to that role and succeed there? Well, first, you're absolutely right. The the technical, the functional is very different than the personal. And I think as a leader and manager, you, you're balancing those constantly. And today, truly, it's all about relationship management. It's all about going back to your first question. It's all about influence. Who do I have to influence right now, today? Is it my boss? Or is it a group of my peers? Is it my own team? Is it an entire team? So the relationship management part and being very active in seeking to identify the other person's style preferences, knowing what's important to them, developing your agenda to meet them where they are. I have, you know, there's so many different personality style assessments out there. I've landed on that I'm a chameleon. I really seek to understand who my audience is and to adapt my presentation or my behavior or my agenda 
to them. And in establishing my presence here at Janney, I really had to concentrate that time and effort on getting to know who my audience, my new audience was. So I arrived here via acquisition. My company in Pittsburgh mm. was acquired by Janney. So it wasn't the business I needed to learn and it wasn't my function, but an entirely new set of personalities. Sure, sure. And that can be often far more difficult than yeah. learning anything more technical about a new industry or, or something else, the, the people. Okay, then in learning all of these things, and of course, both the, the ropes of the new culture of the organization and the, the new people that you're dealing with along the way, what's a mistake that you made on that journey? So the acquisition happened in 2005. And I had grown up at a smaller firm in Pittsburgh, which was really a benefit because um, I got to know, really got to know the business really well and other support teams like marketing, like operations and IT. So really grateful for that experience at a smaller firm. But it was the very first full branch managers meeting that I had to present at after the acquisition. So where I was used to speaking to maybe 25 branch managers, I was now speaking to 125 mm. branch managers. And the 25 that I knew earlier, I was confident in that relationship. They knew me. They knew the work that I could perform. But there were 100 others who had no idea who I was, what I was bringing to the table. And quite frankly, I did not do my research to understand where they were in their understanding of marketing, yeah. in their priority needs. I didn't make a few phone calls before that presentation to say, what's on your mind? What could I address that might be of importance to you? So I was relying on my comfort zone in those 25 that I knew. And honestly, I, that presentation kind of fell flat to the others. There's one person I remember <laughs> just reading the paper as I was talking, which was not a great experience to... Yes, that's pretty clear you know. nonverbal messaging yep, as far as... Not paying attention to what you're saying. So yes. if I could go back, that's a presentation I would rethink for sure. Yeah, doing your homework, recognizing who the audience is. And that's a pretty clear message that was sent rude on his part, <laughs> nevertheless. But, oh, for sure. Uh, but nonetheless clear. So yeah. you know what? At that point, I'd rather they are that clear with me so that at least I know I'm not getting through and can try to pivot in the moment, exactly. if nothing else. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, certainly not <laughs> passive time aggressive. Ago. Right, right. Of course, because <laughs> yeah. you learn your lessons. That's the beauty of learning them early, hopefully. Now, Karen, this brings us to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. Mm. This is a chance for you to talk directly to the audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours so that they can have more influence. How would you like to challenge our audience today? So I think I'll go back to something I said earlier about building relationships. And I do believe strongly that it takes a lot more effort than you ever think that you need. and especially when you think about challenging relationships. So when I go back to when I first arrived here, again, I, I had to learn who, who everybody was, what their preferences were. And there were a number of extremely intimidating people to me at that time. And I really had to find the energy. I had to find the confidence to set that meeting, set that agenda and begin to build that relationship where to date, it was, you know, no understanding of marketing, no respect for marketing. And so I had to identify those individuals to cultivate those relationships with. So my challenge is to choose that one person that continues to intimidate you or that you know you need to start a better relationship with and 
put that meeting on the calendar and work to get your agenda together so that you go into that conversation with confidence and a couple of goals that you want to walk away from from that conversation as well. Nice. So feeling the fear and doing it anyway, the definition of courage, I believe, right? So, exactly. all right, everyone, you've got your intent to put out there into the universe and then on the calendar, find the person who, for whatever reason, just a little bit intimidating or maybe more than a little bit, but get it on the calendar. You can figure out the, okay, now what's once it's on the calendar between then and the meeting itself, but just take that first step, pull the trigger and get the meeting on the calendar. Exactly. I love it. Thank you, Karen. Sure. And there's one thing I'll add to that. You know, people naturally find this, but you know, go in with some open-ended questions too. You never know what you're going to hear that could give you that common denominator or something that just carries that relationship forward, maybe even on a more personal level that you then have something easier to talk about the next time that you have to meet up with that person. So what kind of open-ended questions are you thinking of? Because there's lots that are out there. Oh gosh, you're sure your usual. Have you always lived in Philadelphia? Where are you from? You know, some of those questions like that, or just asking about family, or if you know that they just got a Peloton, or, you know, they're an avid bike rider, you know, even if you're not a bike rider, but you know that they are training for doing their first century ride, you know, try to learn some things to have in your back pocket to go in and they'll be impressed that you know something a little different about that. I think a lot of people underestimate the value of those opening personal comments and, and conversations before the phrase small talk per se has a really negative connotation for a lot of people. And they tend to think of it as just you know a waste of time and just fluff and not anything of value. Whereas it's really important. I, it is. And I like to, to reframe it not so much as small talk, but as getting to know the person talk. And it's an investment of time. So it's not quite as pithy as small talk, but it's, it is certainly just to know that you care about them as people and not just the what can you do for me in information or career wise piece. Correct. I think people tend to grossly undervalue what can be achieved through that. So thank you for putting that back on the table. Great. Now, when you're looking to hire or to promote somebody, what are the most important communication skills that you look for? Of course, they have to know how to do their job. But besides that, sure, what matters most to you? And what's a red flag on the flip side that would mm. say, you know what, you're great at XYZ, but I just can't do it? I think there are a few things. Maybe this past year is a perfect example of um, just really staying calm under pressure. Mm. When there is uncertainty happening around you, if there is an emergency in whatever context, whether it's a business emergency or a personal emergency, someone on your team, having the resolve to stay calm because people look to you to do that and to mm. build in a sense of control of a situation that may seem very out of control. Being able to direct and prioritize actions. So calm under pressure, handling some ambiguity, uncertainty, and being transparent, being able to say, I don't know the answer right now, but we're going to figure it out. So calm under pressure, I think, is something that I would look for on a very granular level, knowing when to pick up the phone or to go see someone to have a conversation versus continuing that email or that jabber message and knowing when to elevate the importance of a face-to-face -face conversation. Again, more difficult in today's environment, but knowing when to take something that may become heated and trying to stifle that in a very direct personal conversation before it continues forward in, you know, in another channel. And then the last I'll say always be curious, you know, keep learning, keep seeking to understand the context of the environment in which you are working. 
for any industry, any business, you have to really like it. You have to be interested in it, find it of value, find it interesting, find it fun. But I think back to what I said earlier about we're a creative team inside this financial organization. And so it's difficult sometimes to do the things we want to do and to push the creativity envelope just because of the regulations under which we operate and in the core purpose of our, of our business. So maintaining a sense of what our purpose is within the structure of the organization and the purpose of the organization. So be curious, keep learning, but know, know your function and that role within that, that industry and that organization. Okay. And then on the flip side, what's a red flag that would just make you say, they've got everything else, but I just can't do it? couple of things there, I think, and maybe this is a tangent of always being curious and, and learning and seeking context is just making too many assumptions without asking the questions about how something came to be, or, you know, did we try this already or bringing something to the table or not bringing things to the table because you assume it can't be done. Mm. And then just not being a team player. You know, I grew up in a team environment, both in school projects and then playing sports. Sure. and. I just, I operate with a sense of team, team first. Got it. Then when you're looking at the person, the candidate overall, there's often that X factor, that executive presence mm. or lack thereof. Executive presence, of course, also referred to as leadership presence, command presence. What does it look like to you? How do you recognize or evaluate it in somebody? I think I'll go back a little bit to calm under pressure some consistency. There was a really wonderful boss that I had early in my career who was consistently positive. And the impact that that left on me or the impression it left on me was I, as his employee, never had a concern about what's his mood today. Mm. Can I go in to talk to him about this issue? How is he going to react to XYZ? Yes. Now on the flip side, was it all sunshine all the time? Was that too much? That particular individual? No, I don't think so. But so calm under pressure, just openness, again, being curious. You know, we as leaders definitely don't know everything. I learn something new every day from sure. a team member or a peer. And I think being open to listen to all groups around is something an executive does and has that presence of being open and accessible. I think that topic you mentioned a moment ago, as far as the calmness under pressure, but just do you manage your emotions or do your emotions manage you is something that a lot of people still have a lot of trouble with. And whether you fly off the handle or you just shut down or you do whatever it is, right. understanding that if your people have to check the barometer first and say, Psst, what mood's he in today? Need to, oh, don't bring it up today. No, today's a bad day. Today's a bad day. Come back tomorrow. Like, that's not a good place to be when you're right. when the grapevine is whispering behind you to figure out whether or not anybody should come within a you know 20 foot radius of you. It's time to go home at that point. So a uh, great sure. Thanks for bringing that one up in particular. Now, this is going to bring us to the speed round. And these are three issues that come up so frequently in my training and my coaching where people have all these preconceived notions about these seemingly black and white issues that when you dig in, you realize there's actually a lot of gray and a lot of myths to bust. So let's do a little bit of myth busting because they want to know that even someone who's a, a senior vice president in communications still has to think through some of these things as well. And you're just like they are. So number one, public speaking, love it or hate it? Grown to like it. 
<laughs> okay, I'll buy that. Where did we start? How far back in the other side did we start? Oh, hated it. Hated it. Hated it. And how? Did, why did you hate it first? How have you grown to like it? Or why have you grown to like it? And how have you gotten there? Just, I think, the nerves of speaking in front of people who may or may not be listening to you. They may be reading the paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> and understanding, you know, am I conveying the right messages? Am I going to achieve my goal in this presentation, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in that particular presentation? Will I remember what to say? Will I be able to leave them inspired or motivated or educated again, whatever that goal is? Mm -hmm. Fortunately, early in my career, I was forced to start public speaking, taking on some speaking engagements for a couple of bosses at the time, and just you know, once it becomes part of the norm, it's easier. But I've been out of speaking in front of larger groups for, you know, a year now. Sure. Uh, we're doing mostly these types of conversations, pre-recorded video for conferences now, and it's entirely different. But now I've gotten to a point, and it could be just maturity years under the belt <laughs> or experience, where you begin to to realize the impact you can have. And when you do have a, when you really land that one presentation that you feel great about, or you get really positive response from, that's just a great motivator for the next time. And then what about, what's the tip that you can give people who are really still very stuck in that, oh, I hate it. What's a simple strategy that you can give them to help launch them out of that stuck space? I think the baseline one is just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse your message. The other that I have started to incorporate is following by example. I'm much more attentive to other public speakers now that I have to do it more often. So when I feel someone has been really effective, what is it that they did? Mm. Did they follow a particular pattern? Whether it's, I'm going to tell you these three things today, ABC, or, you know, a tactic like that of just, you know, four key things that you need to know, or did they do some type of interesting audience engagement tactic? So Find the model. Find the model. Finding the model to model. Yeah, the power of the pause, voice inflection. I remember you coming to speak at Chani years ago talking about that. And mm -hmm. so, you know, again, I go back to being curious and being a constant learner where who really impressed you and what did they do and can you model that behavior? Yes, yes. And Karen, do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, introvert. And as an introvert, what's a natural strength that you have and what's an area that you still need to work on? Oh, actually, this might be a little bit of both, but a strength is that I do think deeply about the particular issue at hand, um, which again may move to be thinking too long about that or taking things offline too long. I tend to want to understand everything that I can about a particular situation. So taking those things away, sometimes I need to make sure that I react a little faster, quicker, and make make decisions a little a little more quickly. But I think the uh, the good side of that, of course, is something that those of us on the other side of the spectrum as, as extroverts can probably stand to learn from you as well. The idea of here, let me think about this. Think first, talk second. Oh, <laughs> right. Neat. All right. Let me give that a try next time. So yes, there's sure. always such that can be too much of a good thing, but nevertheless, definitely great options to learn from each other. And what about conflict? Nobody likes it. Mm. But nevertheless, is your natural tendency, your DNA hardwiring when faced with a potential conflict or a difficult conversation, do you naturally want to run away and avoid it or to just dive in and deal with it head on? Oh, naturally run away. 
<laughs> now, of course, we can't do that as much as we might all prefer to, but Correct. Um, what have you learned about how to more effectively manage conflict? I have learned that resolving it can be really emotional for people. You know, it depends on the type of conflict you're resolving, right? Is it a, is it a core business issue where there's no emotion around it? Or is it something that is more relationship driven? So conflict is very emotional at the core. And what I have found works for me is, again, I'll go back to something I said earlier around just seeking context, right? And being sure to actively listen to the person that brings that issue to the table, but then also seeking the other side to work toward that solution and begin to get people to a place that they can agree on what those next steps are. So I have to take those conversations independently, and then you have to work to bring them together. So it's really a lot of active listening to be able to finalize a decision and move forward. Karen, how can people learn more about you and Jannie Montgomery Scott? They can go to Jannie.com, which is our core digital property. And we're active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter as well. So check those out for um, both investment and financial planning news and also what our great employees are up to in the community. And of course, we'll put all of the links that you've shared with us, your social media handles, along with the website itself on our show notes. So don't forget to check that out when you're done listening today. My goodness, Karen, our time has gone by extremely quickly. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights with us. Thank you, Laura. It was so great to see you. It's great to see you again, too. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.